You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, Portfolio Manager at FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. Wayne, uh, you've been an investment professional for a, a number of years now, and you've seen a couple of crashes in your time and a couple of incidents of volatility. But even you must have thought after 11 years of relatively calm markets to the upside, certainly in the overseas markets, even you must have been a little bit startled by what we've had over the last two and a half weeks. Yes, quite frankly, because this, this market, look, Mark, as you said earlier on, um, market downturns are not abnormal at all. In fact, they are part and parcel of the investment environment. So the mere fact that the market's fallen 10 or 20% should not be regarded as abnormal because it is a fairly regular occurrence. Anywhere between every 8 and 12 years, you get this type of correction. What is unusual this time around, however, is the reason for the correction. Previously, It's an economic problem that has built up over years. It came to a head. It crashed. Yes. Or the markets are expensive with an economic problem attached to it, and there's a trigger, either a war or a a natural catastrophe, et cetera, et cetera. But the inherent underlying problem is an economic problem, whereas this time it's not. This time it's caused by, as we well know, the virus. Yes. U.S. markets were expensive, mm-hmm. but they were not excessively overvalued in relation to the underlying economy. The economic problem is, of course, now going to become a yes. problem because of the coronavirus. Correct. So it will eventually become that, and that may exacerbate the current move that we're, we're seeing, which is, again, as, as we speak, the S&P down around about 3%, having rallied nearly 5% yesterday, having been down nearly 8% the day before. So what is happening, I don't think people quite grasp the enormity of it, is that a large European country has closed down. And nothing is happening, which means there are no tax receipts, which means people can't earn money, which means people's psychology is also, and mental health is is affected. There are so many different elements and aspects to this coronavirus. Wayne, I I watch television in the morning. It's the first thing I do is turn on the TV. I've got a laptop in front of me and I've got the television. I don't watch all different channels. I watch BBC Breakfast, which is a very colloquial English morning show. And you see, I saw this young woman who was talking, they were interviewing her about her parents. Parents who were on a cruise ship in Florida, and they had a Skype linked to the parents as well. And it just struck me that well, these people's lives, because of the coronavirus, have been affected. The parents can't go back to their jobs. The daughter is worried yes. about them. And if you multiply that by millions and tens of millions of people, mm. this is disastrous. Yes, I agree with that. However, we must take a step back and just look at things maybe in a little bit of context. Okay, first of all, let's just say tomorrow the virus is cured. Yes. The cure for the virus tomorrow. Right. There's no underlying economic problem at all. Whatever impact the virus has had will take a relatively short period of time to work its way out of the economic system. In other words, There's no underlying, there's no massive inflation, there's no bankrupt banking system, there's no overgeared consumer like we had in 2008. Of course, if the virus persists for a year and the whole world shuts down, it could potentially be the worst economic disaster we have ever seen. We don't know that answer. We don't know that answer yet. The second thing is, 
This virus is highly contagious, but it's not massively deadly. Eh? So mm. this is not the Black Death we're dealing with here, where 50% of the population has been killed. And I'm not an expert. As far as I understand, death rates one and a half to 2%, and mainly old people like you and me, or people with an impaired... <laughs> Sorry, what's that? Uh, yeah, old people like you and me, and people with an impaired, I get you on the cough, and people with an impaired immune system. Okay, so that's the stats as they stand now. It's not the Black Death. I'm not going to wipe out 50% of the world's population from this. Secondly, I mean, third point is, and this is also very important, you cannot shut down the whole world forever because you'll have famine that will have a higher death rate than the virus. So there is a limit as to where you can shut it down to because at the absolute basic human necessity, you've got to deliver water and food. You can't just say to everyone, stay at home. You, you, you cannot get to that stage. So at some stage, you can, might ban sports matches, you might ban people gathering in open spaces, but you can't ban everyone going to work. It's just impossible. The system will collapse and people will starve to death. So, you know, there is a limit as to how far this shutdown can go. I think you're, you're overestimating the sanity and the rationality of the human race because uh, there's a couple of things that have happened in New, in New York State, for example, in the United States of America. The National Guard has been brought in in order to clean public spaces and restaurants and all sorts of other things and also deliver food. That's the first thing. But that's not irrational. Uh, that's preemptive and it's actually uh, rational. Uh, but the other, the, the irrational part of it is um, a friend of mine sent me, <laughs> sent me a, a CCTV uh, footage of a supermarket in Australia that opened its doors at 8am and it showed the toilet paper roll, toilet tissue aisle, which was full of loo rolls of various descriptions. Yeah. And then you suddenly see all it these people coming in. It disappeared. It's like the locusts in East Africa at the moment. It stripped yeah. the shells bare. I don't understand why, I don't under why people need I toilet don't paper. Understand, I don't understand the toilet paper one. No. You can. It might be inconvenient, but you can live without toilet paper. You definitely can. You can't live without baked you, you, beans, you, though. You can't. Mm. You can't live without baked beans and bacon. And the interesting one was I went to the local pick and pay here, yes. and they are sold out of hand sanitizers. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is hand sanitizers doesn't really work. Let's, let's put that aside. You know, let's put that aside. And then there's a lot of stories going around that hand sanitizer is just alcohol. So just put vodka on a, 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 a rag and wash your hands. Never. What a waste. But that doesn't work either. No, it doesn't work either. You've got to have at least for hand sanitizers to have any effect, you've got to have at least 80% alcohol. So use straw rum because that's about, uh, uh, that's about 80% alcohol. Mm. But the alcohol in vodka is not enough. So the best thing you can do with your alcohol at home if you can't buy hand sanitizers is pour yourself a vodka yes. and drink it after you've washed your hands because buy a Country mile, as far as I understand it, the best thing for this virus to stop occurring is just wash your hands excessively if you are really worried. It's far better than using a sanitizer, hand sanitizer or a face mask. Just wash your hands a lot because that actually apparently, from what I understand, does actually work and is highly efficient. What if someone fact, sneezes on you, though? What if someone sneezes yeah. on you? That's, that's got nothing yeah. to, to, to do with your hands, has it? Or no, coughs I on hear you. you. I hear you. I hear you. But people sneezing on you makes no difference if they haven't got the virus. 
but lots of people. So in other words, if you go through my office here, we've got 400 people who work in my building. So 400 people go in and out on the door and touch the door handle every single day. Right. And they go in and out five times a day out of the door. So if one of those 400 has got the virus, you've got a chance of catching it if you don't wash your hands. But I can promise you 400 people don't sneeze on me every day. I'm sure they don't, Wayne. I wouldn't sneeze on no, you. No, they don't. So maybe, mm. no, no, but so maybe, maybe I'll be very unlucky if, let's say, there's one person in my office who's got the virus and sneezes on me. That would be unlucky. But if I touch the door without watching, washing my hand, that one person has come in and out of the door five times. So that's why washing your hands works. I'm going to carry on washing my hands. Wash your hands like crazy. Thank you very much. I don't think you should become a medical practitioner, Wayne. I think you should stick to what you're good at, which is a yeah, portf- no, definitely not, yeah. portfolio management. So let's get back to that now. And on that note, actually, when we look at South Africa today, there are two things that have struck me. Business confidence has come out where 82% of respondents are dissatisfied with current business conditions. That's massive. Yes. 82%. Yes. The second thing yeah. is I had an interview cancelled this afternoon because the fellow concerned was in what he described as Santon gridlock, and I think that must be to do with load yes. shedding. That's load shedding. Well, look, I mean, to be honest, even when we got power, yeah, sometimes you do get Santon gridlock. Um, quite frankly, it depends on when they phone. If they phone before half past 12, it was gridlock. Right now, there might still be gridlock, but the power is actually on at the moment in Santon. Oh, congratulations. It's not, we're not load shedding yet. As I said, there might still be gridlock because there might be load shedding just down the road. But yes, Lindsay, what else are you going to expect out of South Africa at the moment except bad news? Yeah. Don't go try and scratch for good news, eh? Mm, no, well, I, I, I have to remain yeah. some, an optimist because that's where I derive my income. So I, I have to be, and just, yeah. like, just like you do as well. And you have to remain bullish about the markets. And I'm sure that in, in, in years to come when you're not in the industry, you, you'll say, Lindsay, occasionally I sort of – Maybe I was economical with the truth. In other words, I didn't quite no. say I, I was bullish no, about no, this no, stuff. No, 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 Okay, go no, on. No, 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 no. I will call the market the way I see it. And if my company doesn't like it and I breach some sort of corporate ethics, mm-hmm. then that stuff and they must fire me. That's life. You've got to tell the market as you see it at any stage. But just to come back to the environment. Right. When... Is the when you let's take a, a bull market, let's take a well established bull market. When does the good news peak? It peaks the day before the market falls. Eh? So, the day before the market falls, you'll only ever hear good news. And the exact converse is when are you swamped by the worst possible news that you can hear? It's the day before the market turns up. Right. In other words, don't ever look for bad news in a bull market because you're not going to find it because there's a bull market because there's good news. And don't ever look for good news in a bear market because the bear market's there because there's only bad news at the moment. So in other words, past circumstances are not necessarily a reflection of future circumstances as far as markets are concerned. I'll throw this one at you as well on on that note, which was actually a quite philosophical. A regular commentator of mine said, you never get 4 or 5% moves to the upside in a bull market market you only get four to five percent moves on the upside in a bear market because people are covering their shorts after a 10 percent fall in the market and that's what we're seeing i would say we're going into a bear market albeit a brief one i do believe we're doing that wayne let's get to results now because the company that employs you 
even after this podcast, I'm sure they'll still employ you. They, uh, they came, first round came up with results yesterday. What did you make of them? And compare them to ABSA's today, please. Well, ABSA's results weren't bad um, at, at all. It was as the market was expecting. First round's results were relatively good given the market circumstances. And maybe we should reflect on that a little bit, both APSA and First Rand and Standard Bank and Nedbank. Nedbanks were quite poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were down 7%. But all the other ones, let's just say earnings were zero. Earnings growth was, was zero. And dividend growth was zero. Given exactly what you just told me about the, the complete negative, we are in a death spiral scenario of South Africa that we're often confronted with. Yes. Earnings are not down 30%, eh? But they might be. They're not. If this, if this environment continues for the next five years, three years, whatever, they could very well be. My, my point of all of this is we all know South Africa is bad. We know it, full stop. We, we just know it. But there's two factors that we sometimes forget. Even though South Africa is bad at the moment, under the previous ANC, ANC leadership, we were going backwards. Things were progressively getting significantly worse in respect of, let's call it, the management of the country. Whereas now you cannot make that argument. We are making very, very small steps forward and too small and not quick enough. But you cannot say that the government in its broadest sense is on the same trajectory that what it was under ex-president Zuma. Of course. You cannot make that statement. No, we're not. The second we, thing is... We haven't, yeah, we haven't even... Saying, we've never said that, people, by the way. No, no, no. We haven't said it, but I often confront people now who think that we're actually worse off now than what we were under Zuma. Nice. I often come across this. Things have never been so bad, I hear often said in South Africa. And that leads me to the second point. Things are bad now, but believe me, they were significantly worse in 2008 and 2002 and 1998 and 1992. I mean, they were significantly worse. And I'm not saying we're good where we are now, just that sometimes as humans, our memories are relatively short. Well, mine's actually quite long, but as a species, yes. Wayne, I think one of the most telling things that I've heard from essay-centric perspective this week was your CEO and his pre-results commentary. It was really, yes. really honest, and it, he almost implied that the speed of deterioration has, has picked up in terms of economic growth and social degradation and, and those sort of things. And I thought, it's so refreshingly honest. It's, it's nasty to hear, but it's refreshingly honest. Yes. And I admire him. I admire him for that. So despite everything that we've just spoken about, I think that's probably the thing that would stand out for me so far this week. Yes, I, I do agree with you on that. But let's just take our economic forecast, i.e. first and first round economic forecast for this year. Yeah. They've revised it down compared to six months ago and a year ago, obviously. And the forecast is a small negative growth this year. And I mean, that is catastrophic in relation to what the country needs and what we all aspire to have at some stage. But it's not minus 5%, eh, like it was in 2008. It's not. No, it's not. Wayne, we've got to move on to other things. Yes. MTN. RMB Holdings Limited, their results were, were out today. Growth Point have come out with results as well, and there's a few yes. other things later on. But uh, choose one or two of those three, Growth Point, RMB, or MTN. Well, look, RMB 
at the end of the day, it's first strand. You know, it's not that yes. different. And we all know that that effectively they unbundling the whole thing and going to sell off all of their properties and distribute the proceeds to the shareholders over time. Right. So that, but but it, it boils down to first strand. Okay, um, so MTN, move on then to MTN. Yes, there we go. Yeah, MTN, the actual published results were not that bad at all. In fact, they were actually, I thought they were reasonable. However, at $32, $35, for Brent crude, the Nigerian economy shuts down. It does not survive at that oil price. And, of course, a major portion of MTN's business is in Nigeria so that is some of some concern to me in the shorter term, although I do believe the oil price will recover because every single producer is bleeding at this price, bleeding like you cannot believe. And there will be significant production cuts coming just simply on the back of the oil price. But in the shorter term, and whether that's three months, six months, or a year, I don't know, MTN's outlook doesn't look all that good. And then growth point, their net asset value dropped by 2%, which wasn't all that bad, and their distribution was flat. So this was also not a catastrophic set of results. And you must remember, these companies have gone from a, call it a 7% dividend yield to an 11% dividend yield. So there is significant bad news already discounted in the prices of the listed properties. Okay, next one is Quilter. Bad name, good set of results, share price up quite smartly. What I liked about these results, Wayne, was the assets under management going up. And I don't know if that's been yes. skewed by currencies because I haven't gone through the numbers. I haven't had time. I imagine it was. But anyway, the market participants really liked Quilter today. Yeah, and look, they're, doing a, they're, they're buying out some minorities, but I think that's very, very small. There's some sort of share buyback going on there. Yes, the last two sets of results out of Quilter have actually been quite encouraging. Yes. And you wonder whether old mutual should have unbundled it. Well, it's too late now because But of I, course you own but but you know as long as you didn't own didn't sell the shares, you still own them. Have a look at this one now. Pepco Holdings came out at noon today. Commentary yes. on recent trading and the impact of the coronavirus. Steinhoff International Holdings, obviously by association, came out with the same yes. thing. Steinhoff down one point four percent, Pepco up one percent on my delayed screen. Yeah. So even companies like that starting to talk about the virus. Yes, but they talk about it in a very different way than what you expect them to talk about it when you read the headline. So first of all, their trading actually looks reasonable, yeah. given the environment. So the trading looks reasonable. What they're worried about from the virus is that they say the majority of stuff they sell comes from China and there's going to be a supply chain disruption. Ah. In other words, they won't be able to put things on their shelves. It's not as though people are buying less because of the virus. Is They're not going to get the stock. Or there is, more correctly, there is the potential that they won't get the stock. So they might have empty shelves. And, of course, if the supply chain is disrupted out of China, in, you know, significantly, everyone suffers. Because, you know, just about every single thing you buy has got a component of it that comes from China. Mm. And that component's either 2% or 90% or 100%. You know, so if there is severe supply chain disruption... You look, I mean, I've obviously thought about this long and hard. And politicians and management of companies and that, there's you, you, you win, you, you, you don't win anything at all by underreacting. Now, let's just take my company now. We've got hand sanitizers everywhere, we've got a lot of cleaning going on here. Yeah. 
Okay, go on. Because if you didn't do that, if you didn't do that and one person got sick, you would take such flack as management. It's the same as a country. If Italy, if you didn't close the whole place down and the virus continues to spread, you'll lose the next election because people will say, you didn't do enough. In other words, there's almost no alternative for governments in particular not to panic because doing only little things, there's no reward for it. So, so, so people, are, people, companies are going to, given the environment, go full steam on counteracting the spread of the virus. And, and I understand that and get that. But however, as we said early on, there's a limit as to how far you can go without causing additional problems that may in fact be significantly greater than the virus itself. You know, and I suppose we must remember that this is still the start of the virus. I mean, now there's 11 people infected in South Africa, which is, which is terrible news. But at the start of the infection, the infection rate is, of course, going to go up enormously until hopefully whatever measures you've done and common sense of people washing their hands often, et cetera, et cetera, stabilizes the virus at a certain stage. But in this initial stage, the numbers are going to skyrocket because you're coming off such a low base. So this, unfortunately, at the start of this, it is more, I suppose, more headline grabbing, for want of a better word. So if you take China, where it all started, and where all the main, uh, where the majority of people who are infected, because the infection is now 100,000 people, you must understand their infection rate is actually slowing down. Yes, because they are in the rest of the world, it's spiking. It's spiking. So it's still in that spiking stage. Yes, but unfortunately, uh, the Chinese economy and Chinese society lends itself to yes, uh, it the mass control of, of people and uh, people's behaviour. Yes. You can't do that in Britain because people will no, just you can't, give you, you can't, give you the finger. Now you can't do it. But I would say there's efficient enough scare around it. People are going to do things like this without even the government telling them to. Mm. Now when you see what's happening yeah i'm not too sure too many people are going to go to sporting games and fly to china <laughs> no, I don't in this so. environment no, I, I don't think so 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 maybe the government's actually going to do nothing because there is such sensitivity and there is such exposure in everything i mean you go anywhere now you're just surrounded by the virus and talk about the virus so you know maybe governments don't have to even do anything people will automatically you sit and listen into conversations around the office. It's all about, oh, I was going overseas in three months' time, but I'm just pulling back now. Oh, I was going to go, yeah, but I'm just pulling back now. I sat, I like looking at behavior generally. Yes. And I just sat outside our front door into our office, which I've said 400 people go in and out 10 times a day. And I noticed about one-third of the people are not touching the door handle. They're pushing it with their elbow or with their hips or with their bum. They're not touching the handle. <laughs> okay, you've got 400 people and, and no, trying no, to open a no door with their bottoms. So that, that's, that's, and, and, and that's it looks interesting. quite funny, to be honest. Hmm. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying really? that you know, maybe the government, because there is such acute awareness and exposure of this virus, maybe the government doesn't have to be like China and tell you what to do. People are just going to automatically do this themselves. 
I wonder what would happen if if you had round doorknobs at at, at FMB Wealth and that Investment. That would be a problem. That would be a problem, especially with the bottom. Yeah. Now look, lucky enough, our our doors are all these electric locks. You know, these magnet locks. Oh yeah. So once you once you've unlocked that, you can push it with your elbow or your bum. There's no actual handle to turn to unlock the key mechanism. You know, to unlock the tumbler. It's okay. just got that magnetic lock on it. But as I said to you, and I went to pick and pay Tuesday. Yes. And as you went in there, there was a reasonable, you know, a, a, an office desk-sized table with about three people manning the table, four womaning the table from, from uh, pick and pay. Mm-hmm. And they were all there with spray hand sanitizers and cloths. So as you walked in, you put your hands out, they gave you a spray, and you wiped the little cloth and you threw it away. Okay. So there's uh, acute awareness of, the, of this virus. Yes, there is. And, uh, Wayne, we have to sort of start to wrap this up now. But there's been um, – I was going to be conducting an interview yesterday with the financial director of a platinum mine, a platinum mining company or a PGM miner, and he yes. sent me a message and he said, Lindsay, we can't do it because of the force majeure situation with Anglo-American platinum. Yes. And you come out today yes. with African Rainbow Minerals. That wasn't the company, by the way, but African Rainbow Minerals yeah. Limited came out with a SENS announcement. It says here, force majeure notification received from Anglo-American Platinum Limited and Platts with respect to Madiqua Mine Purchase of Concentrate Agreement. This is quite serious yes. for PGMs. Yes, it is. So Anglo Platts, which is the biggest PGM producer in the world, they're the, they're the biggest platinum and I think the second biggest palladium producer in the world. They've said we've got we've got two factories and one's a backup. So they, they normally you have the one that works and then the other one's the backup in case the one that works breaks down. So what happened was the one that was working had an explosion. And they said, ooh, let's start up our backup one. And when they started up the backup one, they found water in the boilers, which is never a good idea. No. So the, they can fix the backup one in four, six, eight weeks. So in other words, the other one that blew up is going to take two years to fix. So after four, six, or eight weeks from now, they going, they're not going to have a backup, but they will have a working plant. So whatever the negative is, it's relatively, we hope, relatively short scale. But this might stop the platinum and palladium price from collapsing because whatever new car sales in China in in February, I think, it doesn't matter, February or January, was down 80%, So they're not using much platinum and palladium there at the moment. So this drop in production might actually offset a precipitous decline in the PGM metals. Because no matter how much a market's in, no matter how much a market is in deficit, like the Palladium market, if new car sales go down eighty percent for a month or two, there is not much demand. You're not in deficit for too long. But well, I did also read the Sibanya Stillwater statement yesterday. I think yes about the force majeure, right. and they and their and their exact words were: "We have significant." capacity at our refineries and we are busy talking to Amplats about making maybe taking some of their concentrate and refining it. So we haven't heard any more and I don't know how big significant is because Anglo Platts have said call it a million ounces about one quarter of their yearly production is going to be affected. In fact the number was about nine hundred ounces, nine hundred thousand ounces. 
So how much of that Sibanya still water could take over and refine, I just simply don't know. It's a developing story. Wayne, we have to leave it there. Thank you for your extended, entertaining and informative chat. That's Wayne McCurry, who's a portfolio manager and general practitioner at FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.